Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace for the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee, spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel, from Franklin to the nations of the world, all for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. I'm Pastor Randy Lovelace, and I serve here as lead pastor. And as was our practice during our last sermon series, Love Refracted, we're going to return to the practice of reading the passage on which uh, the preaching is based, and then we'll take that opportunity to release our children to their time of small saints. And so this morning as we continue uh, and as we've begun this series on Jesus at the center, uh, as we go through the book of Colossians, we are still in chapter one. And this morning's passage is uh, considered to be one of the great poems or the great hymns to Christ. It is Colossians chapter one, verses 15 to 20. Hear now the word of God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me invite our children who are going to their time of small saints to please meet Miss Cooper right over here, who will lead them straight away. And we will go to prayer as we pray for our children in their time of children's worship and pray that the Lord would bless all those who are leading them and would lead us as we look at God's word together today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for our children's ministry Thank you for small saints, and I pray for each and every one of them that they would grow in their love for you as they learn more of you, as they experience your love and mercy. And Father, I pray for those leaders who are teaching and leading them and shepherding them, and I pray for the parents of our congregation that you would fill them with love and endurance and that you would fill them with your spirit, that our children would see Jesus and experience his love. And I would pray the same for us as we look to your word this morning. May you be praised, glorified, and honored. Help the teacher. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I would like to suggest a controversial idea. And the idea or the suggestion is this, that the church of Jesus Christ, broadly speaking, have in many ways allowed our understanding of who Jesus is to be reduced to what Jesus has done. Said another way, we have allowed our Christology 
of who Jesus is to be reduced to our soteriology, how Jesus has saved his people. Said another way, we have influenced ourselves into believing that we're to be gospel-centered. But perhaps there's a difference between being gospel-centered and Jesus-centered. It is perhaps possible that we become so focused on the good news of what Jesus has done and forgotten the beauty of who Jesus is. Think of it. None of us would be terribly pleased if all we were recognized for and understood to be is merely reduced to what we do or what we have done. Not the intrinsic value and beauty of who we actually are in our persons. Think about on Mother's Day, if all we did was focus on what mom did and not who the person is behind who our mother is, or our fathers, or anyone that we work with or in a relationship with. I believe that we are called to, as Christ church, as Christ community church, to begin to ask the question, what does it look like to make sure that Jesus is the center and not just the news? Because I would suggest that it's possible if all we focus on is what Jesus has done for me, then I take for granted who he is, which makes what he has done all the more beautiful. This is Paul's desire, talking and writing to a young church that they would make sure that Jesus is at the center, that we not allow our Christology to be reduced to merely what Jesus has done. So let's look together at this great poem, this great hymn to Jesus, and see two things. First, Jesus is. Then Jesus does. Jesus is, and Jesus does. First, Jesus is. In verses 15 to 17, Paul begins this section He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in him and on earth, and visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is making sure we understand that God the Father and all the fullness of the Godhead, that what God is and what God is doing is fully invested in who Jesus is. And what he says about who Jesus is, it is telling us something that is very human and very practical that each of us experience. Not a single person that we've ever laid eyes on Not a single sunset or sunrise or rain or the earth or experience, none of it and no one would be possible except that it were because of who Jesus is. 
What Paul is doing for us is making sure that we see above all else, Jesus Christ is supreme. And God, by the mystery of his providence, the mystery of who he is as the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, according to his self-revelation from the word of God, tells us that God was creating through the person and work of Jesus Christ because Christ is preeminent, sharing in the divinity of who God is, that God has created all things through him, by him, and to him. Christ is supreme. One of the great confessions of the church, stretching all the way back to the 16th century, was a confession that came out of the Netherlands from the Dutch church called the Belgic Confession. And practically taking the words of Paul, they begin to unpack who Jesus is Would you allow me just a moment to read these words from another era, from another part of the world, as they began to gaze on the beauty of Jesus as they were faced with a church that had taken its eyes off of the supreme beauty of Jesus Christ. Hear what they say about who Jesus is. We believe that Jesus Christ according to his divine nature, is the only begotten Son of God, begotten from eternity, not made nor created, for then he would be a creature, but co-essential and co-eternal with the Father. The very image of his substance and the effulgence of his glory equal unto him in all things. He is the Son of God, not only from the time that we, he assumed our nature, but from all eternity, as these testimonies, when compared together, teach us. Moses said that God created the world. St. John says that all things were made by that word which he calls God. The apostle says that God made the world by his son. Likewise, that God created all things by Jesus Christ. Therefore, it must need follow that he is who is called God, the Word, the Son, Jesus Christ, did exist at the same time when all things were created by him. Therefore, as the prophet Micah says, his going forth was from of old, from everlasting, and the apostle, he hath neither beginning of days nor end of life. He therefore is that true, eternal, Almighty God, whom we invoke, whom we worship, and whom we serve. Jesus is the beginning, He is the middle, and He is the end. And our worship begins by calling on His great name before anything else, because the very breath upon which we use for life is a gift from our creator God, the glorious one, Jesus Christ. And therefore that means, as another great Dutch leader, Abraham Kuyper, at his opening speech, when the university, the Free University of Amsterdam was opened, he said these words, 
there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, does not exclaim, mine. Mine. Our clothes, our skin, our breath, our blood, our words, our instruments, our songs, our minds, our children, the beauty of creation, the beauty of art and of music, the importance and beauty of work, the importance and beauty of other human beings, all of it is one giant thank you to the creator God, Jesus Christ. This is our calling. It begins with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. For if we go back through all of the great works of theology that have stood the test of time, all the greatest works of theology do not begin first and foremost with what God has done, but who God is. Because in seeing who he is, we see who we are, which then begins to bring into full exposure then what God has done. We can say then that not one square inch of this church or any person is here except by the loving, sustaining, providential hand, the beautiful hands and feet of Jesus. And everything that we experience which is good, every note that tunes our hearts to praise him, every prayer and every word of God that leads us into a deeper experience of his grace and love has all been designed to say, I am your God. How beautiful then it is for a calling for us as a church to say, Jesus, if there is anything that we have put in place of you, if we in any way have decentered you, if we have not seen you or recognized you, if we have not said thank you for your grace and mercy, and thank you for who you are, Lord, show us that Jesus would be again at the center. Christ supreme. But then Paul shifts from what he is and who he is to what Jesus does. And here I want to remind you that the verb tenses in this passage are not past tense. They are in the Greek a perfect tense, which means it is an ongoing reality. Jesus has done, is doing, will always do. He is, therefore he does. And what does he say? In verse 17, Paul pivots 
And now he begins to take their eyes from focusing on who Jesus is and shows them what Jesus has done. And in verse 17 or verse 18, he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So what he's just announced, that God in Jesus Christ has created the world according to his glory and power and sustaining of all things to him, by him, and for him. But now we declare that he is the head of the church, the firstborn among the dead. What Paul is drawing our attention to implicitly is something that he's going to go into explicitly in the rest of the letter. Implicitly, this is what he's pointing to. That the creator of the world recognizes that we who are sinners falling short of the glory of God, have sinned against his glory and his honor and rejecting him as God. And God's answer to that is not wrath, but one of love. And as the great creator God, he came to die on our behalf, to be raised from the dead as the firstborn from among the dead, to create a people, the church, a new creation. Do you hear? New creation. Do you get it? new creation. The God of all creation is now entered into time and history as the person taking on a human nature and has become one of us to die in our place that he might be raised from the dead victorious over sin and death. We now post-resurrection see that he is the head of the church. He's created us for himself. And he has gone before us. What can be said of Jesus is now said of the church. That as we have died to sin, as Christ died to sin on our behalf, we too died to sin, are washed by the water of baptism, symbolizing the work of his blood. And now we are raised from death out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. As the church of Jesus Christ, This is the center of our hope. It is the center of our faith and the hope of the church. And when Paul says here, and he is the head of the church, the body, he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So there he goes again. He's like, okay. Remember, he's called a group of people to himself to enjoy his grace and mercy. And he calls you the church, but it ain't about you and me. We've been created as a people for his glory to see him as preeminent. Not ourselves, not our works, not our achievements, not our ministries, not all of our doing, not all of our singing, not all of our reading, not all of our praying. It is not about our unworthiness or worthiness. It is about Jesus and what he has done. And that becomes the model that we follow. Christ, who made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, Paul says in Philippians. We follow in the way as the church to follow the head, and we are emptying ourselves of what we think we deserve, and we give ourselves in service to Christ and to one another. And as he continues, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell Dear friends, this is the beginning of the good news 
God in his holiness and matchless grace, worthy of honor and praise, said that his desire that the fullness of who God is would be seen and experienced in the person of Jesus. So what do we experience in the person of Jesus? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. What do we see in the character of Jesus? Love, grace, mercy, humility, compassion, joy. This is the substance of who our God is, the fullness of God that we could not attain to, but making himself nothing, becoming like one of us and showing us the way by being that towards us. Thanks be to God. And then Paul says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And here it is, both the corporate and the individual door through which we can begin to see our place in who Jesus is. Let me say it in a way that I cannot believe can be improved on. Again, the words of another, one of our great creeds of the church. I mentioned these creeds this morning because, dear friends, there's nothing new that hasn't already been written. And I want to tell you our faith is an ancient faith, a faith about which the church has been writing and professing and confessing for centuries. And this is one of the things, dear friends, it says, in the form of a question and answer. What is your only comfort in life and death? Answer, that Jesus, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. This is our only comfort in life and in death. Jesus from beginning to end. And that our God, justly deserving to pour out his wrath on us, poured out his wrath on himself. That we would be reconciled. Reconciled to him that the song of our hearts would be that my heavenly father knows me from beginning to end, even in my sin, and he says, you are mine. Come to me. Knowing that we would not come on our own, he sent forth his son. This is the beauty of our faith. But I close with this. What are we to be as a church? 
What is our why for existing? Yesterday, I got to perform my first wedding in the state of Tennessee. Woohoo! It was great. It was really fun. It was wonderful. And there's truly nothing like being a pastor, seeing a man and a woman to be married and to experience the joy in one another's eyes and hearts, recognizing, hey, this is just the starting line, not the finish line. And by the way, have you ever thought, how, why is it easier to get a wedding license than it is to get a driver's license? Just saying, we, I want to think about that, but okay. So it's not the point. Sorry, that's for your charge. Okay, so I did my first wedding and I got to perform that wedding in the building where this church began. The why of this church when it began and the why that this church exists now may not be exactly the same because we're organic, we're people. The Lord is working and maturing and changing and bringing to us new and others have left. We've gone through life cycles as a church. The question is, why do we exist now and for what purpose? I will say that the scriptures clearly declare to us that there's no other place to start than with this passage. In some way, shape, or form, we have to understand, as one writer said, it is not declining attendance that we should fear. It is not the screaming pride and success of growing attendance that we should look to. It is not about budgets, butts and seats, or buildings. It is from first to last about Jesus. And at any point where he is not the center of what we do, which is why we come back every week, if at any point he is not at the center of what we do, then he is not in it. And in humility and great dependence, guided by the Spirit, with the authority of God's word, we ought to pray, Lord, what are you calling us to do now? How can we make sure that Jesus is our center? And so my call is to my own heart as I call to you, quoting a great hymn at the name of Jesus. Name him, dear Christians, name him. With love stronger than death, name him with awe and wonder and with bated breath. He is God the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Which brings us back to where we began. What he does is who he is. Who he is is what he does. But we begin with Jesus Christ is Lord. And may the spirit of the living God fall fresh upon this part of his global vineyard, his church. And may the spirit help you to love him more today than you did yesterday. May he help us to depend on him more today than we did yesterday. Lord, show us and make Christ the center for your glory and our good. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we now thank you for this time in your word, and I ask that you would make Christ the center of our worship, the center of our ministry. Father, I ask that you would show us any way in which we have decentered Jesus and centered ourselves. Father, I ask that you would help us to love Jesus more today than yesterday because we now see more and more the glory and beauty of who Jesus is. For he is supreme, he is preeminent, he is the beginning and the end, and by him and through him and to him are all things. Thank you, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.